Good evening, good afternoon, boys and girls, children of all ages. It's me at home with Craig. I know, I know, I know. You could probably recite this better than I can by now. I know it's been a while. I wrapped up season two with episode 50 with Mike and Wendy. Mike and Wendy, as most of you know, were instrumental in me getting into podcasting to begin with. Wendy was my first boss lady. As far as that goes, I saw no better way to wrap up to pretty well successful reasons or seasons rather of the podcast than with going back to where it all began. Wendy gave me a shot. I didn't know anything about podcasting. She didn't know anything about me. So it was, it was an interesting time to say the least, but we learned together. At least I learned and I think she learned some stuff too. She learned about me. I learned about her. It was great. We were a great fit. Stuff happened. Hilarity ensued. You know, life comes and goes, whatever. And I stepped away for a long time. And I got back into it a couple of years ago. As you know, if you listen to this show once in, a, once in a while or more than once. And then I was faced with this enormous blank canvas of what the heck can season three be? What should it be? Should there be a season three? I really didn't know. I bounced these ideas back and forth in my head. And I came up with scenarios for why I should do it, why I shouldn't do it. And I went back and forth. And finally, I said, you know, it's been a while. The only thing stopping me from doing this is me. I, I get in my own way a lot. A lot, a lot. I get in my own way. And it's annoying. The name of this episode is Help, I Need Someone which is a a very interesting topic to uh, try and approach in a scenario like this, in any scenario really, because as men, we are raised to, to believe and to think that men are tough. Men show no emotions. Men have no feelings, you know, just be a rough, tough guy. Don't let anything bother you. Don't ever show any weakness. And I'm, I'm here to tell you that's a lot of, that's a lot of crap. It really is a lot of crap because we are emotional creatures by nature, both men and women are emotional creatures by nature. And we're made up of this, this ucky gooey feeling stuff. And a lot of us don't know how to deal with it or to process it or use it myself included. I don't know what to do with it half the time. I've gone through a lot of stuff in my life. Some was my fault. Most was not, you know, you're, you're thrust into situations and scenarios where things happen and, we react. We're we're a very reactionary species. We react to things rather than, you know, think things through or or try to approach it from a different angle. We just automatically react to stuff. It's it's almost instantaneous hatred or vitriol or or sadness or whatever it is. We don't ever take, you know, we overact instead of react. I guess that's a, a better way to put it. I am very guilty of that. 
for a long time, I would I would get mad if things didn't go my way or if things should happen a certain way and they didn't. I'd get really angry, like right, you know, righteously angry is the wrong is the wrong word, but I would I would get righteously angry about stuff. And I can look back at it now and laugh and say, oh my goodness, what was wrong with me? Who is that guy? I'm not that guy anymore. I don't want to be that guy anymore. And I'm every day I'm working at getting better about it and doing better at it and and doing all these different things. Excuse me. <clears throat> so this is where I'm at. I, I went through a lot of stuff in my in my last marriage. I went through stuff in the previous marriages too. Yes, I'm a, I'm a three-time loser if you want to look at it that way. One was my fault. One was not entirely my fault. And the other one is 50-50 depending on who you ask. If you go look at one side, it's 70-30 or 80-20 my fault. And if you look from my side, I think it's more like 80-20 their fault. But in the end, it doesn't matter whose fault it is. It 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 happened, it ended, and you go on with life as best you can. There's no, I don't think there's any real secret sauce to it. You just muddle through and you keep going. You pick up your pick up your toys and you go home or you, you gather up all your stuff and you go out into the world like as a nomad. So that's where I'm at. I, I've had a lot of emotional issues, a lot of mental issues, a lot of whatever. You know, I, I experienced abuses that no one should ever have to go through. And I I don't think that's right for anybody. I really don't. No one should have to endure that or put up with that. But I did. I put up with it for a long time. And I lived in it. And I mired in it. And I just, you know, this is my life. This is what I'm relegated to. And this is how it's going to be. And then God stepped in, as he often does, when we shut up and listen and get out of his way. Because believe it or not, gentle listener, we are not always the arbiters of what's best for us. We are not an expert in any way, shape, or form in, in what's really always best for us. Now, there are things that we think, oh, I like that, and I need that, and I deserve that. And if I just do this, then I'll be happy. If I don't do that, then I'll be happy. And it's a lot of it's a lot of stuff. It really is. And like I told my new therapist, semi-jokingly, <laughs> I told him, I said, sorry, Ben. There's going to be a lot of stuff for you to unpack here, a lot. And I'm talking about going back to my childhood. You know, believe it or not, it was not all peaches and cream. It was not all roses. I'm not. I'm not pointing fingers at anyone in any way, shape, or form here. I'm just. It was not. It was not an ideal situation for for any of those involved. It really wasn't. There was issues and there was problems, and there was there was goings on that happened. And again. You can choose to to wallow in it, or you can choose to get better. And I'm that's where I'm at now. I'm at the point where I'm like, all right, therapy didn't work for me as a child. It didn't really work for me as a teenager. And sorry to tell you this, mom and dad, if you're listening, the second time you sent me, eventually I just I learned how to play the game, and I said I was better, and I stopped going. And I wasn't any better. I was just tired of I was tired of the crap. I really was. I was tired of people talking at me, not to me. I was tired of people telling me what I was doing was wrong. And it's just, it's too much. It's really too much for a person that's like 15 or 16 to be constantly told you're wrong and this is stupid and you shouldn't do this. And it was never, why are you doing this? Or how did this start? It was always, well, that's wrong and you shouldn't do it. And honestly, I don't know that it was, you know, maybe the way it was handled was wrong, but 
enough about that. So I finally got to the point where I was tired of, of the depression. I was tired of the, the dark, nasty thoughts. I was tired of the general malaise in my life, you know, the ennui of always this sucks and life sucks and life is terrible. And like I told Ben, there were days when I would feel so deep in this, in this dark, desolate pit. I mean, like me and the pit and nothing else. And that's all there was. Maybe, maybe I imagine there's some, some rocks or some boulders or something, but it was very, it was very stark. It was very bleak. It was just me. And I would wake up every morning at the bottom of the pit. <clears throat> Didn't matter how my night ended or the day before ended. That's where I started. I started back, you know, I hate to use the, the story of Sisyphus, but in a way, that's kind of what it was. Where I would climb and I would claw and I would scrape and I would I would hurt myself, you know, almost to get to the top again. Just to feel sunlight on my face so I could feel something because... In this pit, I was feeling absolutely nothing. No sadness, no anger, no no real emotions of any kind. It was just me and the pit and whatever I was feeling or not feeling. And it's a it's a horrible place to be. It's a terrible thing to go through. And every day I would, you know, well, no, let me back up. Not every day, because there were days when I just I didn't care. I'm just like, all right, this is where I am, this is where I am, this is my lot in life, this is what I'm gonna be. And where I'm going to be forever. And there's no hope. <clears throat> and then the next day would come along. And I would feel better. Or a little bit better. And I would start climbing my way up again. And there were days when I made it to the top. And I felt the sun on my face. And there were days when I made it almost to the top. You know. And I can I could feel the warmth of the sun. But I couldn't really experience it for myself. And that's where I was. I was, I was there for, for years. And I never really realized it until I got out of that situation. Like, oh my goodness, how did I survive? How did I keep doing what I needed to do every day? But I did it. I don't know how I did it, but call it the universe, call it God, call it whatever you want. Something was dragging me along saying, we're not done with you yet. You, There's more for you to do. You have a life to live and you have things to experience and you have whatever. And I can tell you that it was absolutely worth the the bloody knuckles and the ripped fingernails and the you know figuratively, figuratively, figuratively easy for me to say. <clears throat> you know, it was all these are all things that you know I I would picture or imagine happening to me. So, not in a literal way at all, but figuratively happening to me, and that's what I would imagine. I would imagine the, the scraped knees and the the bloody knuckles and, and all that, all that stuff that would go along with me climbing out of this, this rocky pit or this hole in the ground, whatever, you know, however you want to imagine it, just imagine the most bleak, desolate, dark place imaginable in the entire universe. And that's where I was. And that's where I lived for a long time, at least mentally. And then <clears throat> things transpired and I got the courage to get out of the situation I was in. And I really haven't been back to the pit since I moved. There are days when I when I look over the edge and say I could end up there again at any point, but I choose to not do that. I, you know, I put up caution tape and I put up traffic cones and the um the barrier fence is going in next week after my second therapy session. I think that's something I need to work on is, is start with a barrier fence and then the brick wall will go up and eventually my goal is to get to the point where I never even have to look at it anymore, let alone 
have the fear of being trapped there. Now, there's been a few days, like I said, that I've looked at it and I could almost feel it, it calling to me saying, this is, you know, this is where you belong and nothing can hurt you here kind of thing. And it's all false promises. It's all evil, evil thoughts that run through a person's mind at 3 a.m. Or sometimes even in the middle of the afternoon, it would hit me on the day. Okay, this is horrible, but here we go. And I'd be, I'd be racked with all this indecision and not feeling anything. And that, that made everything worse and it made it that much harder to get out. So through my insurance, I, I looked online and it's kind of like spinning the wheel or throwing a dart at a dartboard to pick a, a therapy group or, a, or a practice or whatever. I read through a few and I'm like, no, these don't feel right. These don't feel right. And then I found the one I'm currently with. And I'll talk about that more in, in upcoming sessions. And yes, I'll be doing these more often than once a month because I think it's therapeutic for me. And I honestly believe that my talking about this openly like this will convince others to go seek help. And, you know, ultimately I think that's the goal of being a human is to help others as much as you can. So I, I found this group and I, you know, I filled out the information and I hate doing that. I hate, if you're like me, you hate filling out the intake forms and you put in all this information and it takes you, 20 minutes to fill everything out. And then you get an email back saying, I'm sorry, we don't accept your insurance. So I sent an email and they said, well, we think we take yours, but we're not really sure depending on what plan you have and whatnot. So I filled out the paperwork and I got an email the next day. <clears throat> I'm sorry, I got a phone call the next day. And it's one of those, I didn't recognize the number. I almost didn't pick it up, but something said, answer it. And I did. And it was the intake person. And she was really nice and really welcoming. And she made me feel safe and she set me up with my, with my current therapist. And I don't, I didn't ask. I should have asked if he's a, a social worker or see the licensed therapist. I don't know. I assume he has some license, excuse me, some license and some qualification of some sort in order to do this based on the fact that he's operating in California. So I'm looking forward to these sessions. I don't know how many I'm going to have. I don't know how many I'm going to need, but you know, as I like to say, there's a lot to unpack. I brought the entire collection of suitcases, bags, boxes, and accoutrement. You know, I, I brought, I'm bringing in everything. He's gonna he's gonna have regrets about this. And he was he was asking me intake questions. And he was typing and typing and typing. And towards the end of the call, I kind of chuckled and said, "So, how big is my file now?" And and he laughed and he said, "Oh, it's pretty big. It'll get bigger, and some things will come off as we go." But um, there's hope. There's absolutely hope that I'm going to get better and this is going to help me. And I will tell you that <clears throat> one of the biggest helps I've had in since ever is my girlfriend. She helps me in ways that I don't even think that she's aware of, but I feel validated. I feel seen. And most importantly, I feel heard. When I talk to her, she hears what I'm saying and she listens to me and she responds in a way that makes me know that yes, she did hear me. She heard what I was saying. She didn't try to put any spin on it. She didn't try to make it about her. She didn't try to make it about any other thing. She didn't try to outdo me. Now, she's a teacher and she has absolutely horrible, crappy days. And something I try very hard, and I it's a conscious effort. Something I try very hard to do is to like not try to one-up her or say, well, you think your day was bad. Listen to the day I had. And in no way are my days comparable to what she goes through, are they similar? Absolutely. 
try running a business sometime and you'll you'll understand and agree with me. And I think that's all I want to say about the therapy stuff for now. So a few other housekeeping things to keep up. Like I said, this is starting season three. It may go up on YouTube. It may not. I don't. YouTube is a lot. YouTube is a lot of work to get videos encoded and everything. And I just don't know if there's any value there. I may keep adding shorts. They seem to be more popular than this long form stuff. So I I can tell you unequivocal unequivocally. Bleh, I need speech lessons unequivocally that this is a 100% AI free production. I use no artificial intelligence in this whatsoever as far as i know um but i am starting season three and there'll be a lot more of this stuff uh, i am in no way a licensed professional i'm not an expert i have no expert advice for you seek help elsewhere from the licensed professional of your choosing and or your denomination and if you if you think you need help go get it if you're not sure if you need help Talk to somebody. Talk to somebody you trust, a pre, a priest, a, a preacher, a pastor, somebody, a rabbi, whoever that you think will would be a good fit and a, a good listener, and just go talk to them and sound it out. See, see what they suggest. Maybe they'll come up with something that works for both of you. I don't know. <clears throat> the other exciting tidbit of news is I am a licensed life insurance agency owner. What that means is I have recruited about four or five people to start selling insurance with me, not for me, because that would make them an employee and I am not an employer. So if you're listening, IRS or state of California, I am not an employer. I do not have any W-2 employees, nor do I ever really intend to have any. They're all 1099 and they're responsible for their own taxes and other stuff. That being said, I'm very excited about the three that are active. I think it's a quality team. It's a really good fit for all of us. And I, I'm looking forward to and expecting great things from all of them. And I hope in return to be a really great mentor, a great supervisor is not the right word. Manager is the right word. Whatever that word that entails, I manage them, but I do not employ them. And I can't stress that enough that I am not an employer. So. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited, and this is something else that I would never have, have had the courage to do before. When I sold insurance a long time ago, I thought, yeah, it'd be nice to recruit other agents, but it was a hassle. And honestly, I didn't want to be bothered. I was too busy trying to sell. Oh, excuse me. Sorry, phone rang. I wasn't expecting that. So let me wrap this up by saying thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. As always, this is just my two cents worth. Your mileage may vary. God bless, and I hope to see you again soon. Take care.